I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Be Good and Rewatch It. Uh, this week we are going to be talking about. Uh, I wasted a date night on this movie. I'm Patrick Klubik. I am. I'm your host. I am. I am joined. I watched not- Serenity yesterday, motherfucker. Like, don't come. Oh, I wasted a date night. Look, I know things are tough. Like, you know, having a kid. Obviously, it's a constraint. I watched Serenity in a movie theater. Okay. By yourself. Next week's be good and rewatch it. Serenity. <laughs> Just to be clear. Just to be clear. Just to be clear. I'm also joined by Austin Walker, Rob Zachney, Natalie Watson. Hello. What's, what's Hi. Uh, yeah, what movie so, did you waste your time on? <laughs> ah, Glass, the 2018 thriller, because this is not a horror movie. That's, it's not. I barely um, think it's a thriller. It would fall in the thriller genre. I was like, certainly not thrilled. <laughs> Well, that's is that how movies is that, oh I look up the happy genre and the sad section of iTunes if if only uh, in a better or, world uh, if you could create custom categories where it just reflects your emotional state as opposed yeah. to um, the the the, uh, the genre uh, yeah glass of 2018 uh, thriller by uh, writer director M Night Shyamalan uh, presumably hopefully please be the end. Of his now long-running Israel one uh, one seven seven trilogy, uh, an arc that began with uh, 2000's Unbreakable, a movie we talked about two weeks ago, uh, and picked up uh, nearly two decades later with 2016's Split, a movie we talked about last week, um, and a movie that also wasn't originally pitched as sort of like a continuation of the Unbreakable universe, um, which apparently, side note, the Split character was originally going to be the the character that uh, David Dunn goes after at the end of the of Unbreakable. Like that God. was originally that character, and then he was cut out because how would that, how would that even? Fa- I don't know. Man, Glass, named after the Unbreakable villain, uh, Mr. Glass, uh, played by Samuel Jackson, uh, opens with Unbreakable hero David Dunn, played by Bruce Willis, uh, having opened his uh, own sort of private security store, uh, which acts as a front for David and his son Joseph to operate sort of a private superhero apparatus. Um, David's wife has died in the intervening uh, which, years. Which what the fuck? Sounds like she was like, yeah, I'm not coming back to this shit, so <laughs> write me out of I, this, M. Night. I hope that that is what happened. Um, I hope that... We can, we can, get, we can get to that. The, yeah. The, the way the movie handles that particular plot is interesting. Um, he, uh, he has uh, been dubbed the overseer by the public, although apparently also... What a bad name! <laughs> the tiptoe man. Oh, yeah, the tip, uh, I think tiptoe man is better than the overseer, which has some connotations, I will yeah. say, uh-huh. as the well, black man on this podcast. <laughs> Given the way they're going about things, you yeah, could, yeah, it's like a weird flip on the the Dark Knight. Um, 
so Dunn goes on these daily sort of runs where he brushes up against people in search of crimes and other dangers. Like, we don't get a whole lot of sense of how the run's going because the movie sort of, like, immediately cuts into sort of the uh, split. This is really a sequel to Split that also happens to, like, come into Unbreakable. So... <laughs> The, the city is tense over the Horde, uh, the name given to Kevin from Split, who was played by James McAvoy. Kevin has a DID, uh, resulting in 23 different identities who are competing for what the, the films call the light, which basically means you get to control Kevin, and that is the identity that is forward-facing into the world. Um, Split followed the emergence of the Beast, which is a 24th personality capable of giving the Horde like unbelievable strength and other powers, including the ability to climb walls. Uh, the Beast has this very mixed ideology of wanting to start some sort of revolution that involves kidnapping young women who are pure and not corrupted by trauma. Unpure. Eating, eating them. Right, sorry, they're unpure. Yes, they're, Natalie's, they're, they're, they're impure, impure, but uncorrupted Because they don't by have trauma. trauma. Right. No, they're impure, yeah. Yeah, yes. they're impure because they're right. The it's pure not like ones impure because of virginity. The understanding of their that... like impurity is like he's like attacking like I don't know. It seems like teenagers who are like I don't know. It's weird. It, the like the way that they're like framing the impurity is like the first group of girls he he gets are like cheerleaders in cheerleader uniforms. Mm-hmm. So I don't like know what that impurity. And they're not characters. Is. They're just hapless. You know, yeah. victims yeah. chained up to be it's, discarded mm-hmm. when the plot needs to move yeah. on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, at least in Split, there is some nominal sense of Personhood. characterization happening yeah. to at least uh, Casey. Also, um, re- really quick, the mm-hmm. the term the light is something uh, we said this on the Split podcast, but it is an actual term used. Oh, really? Um, by people with DID. Yes. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Easy to assume that it's just some. Shyamalan bullshit, but if yeah, anything, that, that only goes to underscore the irritation over <laughs> uh, just pulling things from real life and then mm-hmm. using them irresponsibly. That almost makes me, I wish it, now I wish it was made up because now it makes me more irritated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, David goes on one of these runs uh, uh, by a city factory based on a theory from his son uh, Joseph about how they could find this horde and ends up running into Hedwig, uh, an identity who is perpetually stuck at nine years old, and he gets a vision of the kidnapped women nearby. Uh, David and the bees confront one another and get into a really poorly choreographed fight um, before the police show up with psychiatrist uh, Dr. Ellie Staple, played by Sarah Paulson, um, who's able to neutralize the beast with some odd light zapping technology that forces him to cycle identities. Um, she brings him to a psychiatric ward, the same one housing Mr. Glass with a, a theory, which is the sort of underlying thesis of the movie. Um, not, sort of. None of the none of them are superheroes uh-huh. or supervillains. It's all in their head. Uh, they've tricked one another into sort of like a, a, a mass delusion that is part of a larger sort of cultural psychosis that the movie, not explicitly, but more or less is saying it's because there are so many superhero movies, I guess. And that's Glass. And that's where we pick up um, this film, which uh, I just want to uh, I want to see the initial floor to Natalie because you have been, I think you saw this first. You have tried to leak your thoughts onto multiple podcasts <laughs> at this point. We've had to keep shutting you down. So I want to uh... remove remove the, the, sh- the shackles. And uh, w- what, did you, what did you think of this film? You know, I want to say that in retrospect, now that I think about like me, like my viewing experience of Unbreakable before anything else, that could have set something up. That could have set up an interesting trilogy. It could have been an oak, like a, a 
It could have been okay. It could have been maybe good. It could you have mean been one where it tracked David Dunn as opposed to like going off. To I don't know. These like this is the thing. Or? This is the thing I said. I said this to to Austin the other day. Is like I when I was thinking about Split, I don't know how to make that movie good. Like I don't know what version of that movie is good. Um, and I feel similarly when I just think about like the trajectory. Like I I don't know what what through line if they had followed would have been the right one because it's just so messy. And I, and so when I saw glass, I saw split and then the next day I went and saw glass (laughs) and glass. I like for the most part enjoyed my time with, it's like only in comparison to split that I think it was like a little bit less bad. (laughs) <laughs> but still extremely, extremely fucking bad. And the reason is that for me, the thing that is like really just fucking driving me up the wall is the carelessness with which survivors of abuse and uh, the treatment of sexual assault and or implied sexual assault and 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 all of that how it's being handled in these movies the fact that um as soon as i saw casey i was fucking just furious as soon as you know casey's introduced back into this film as basically each each uh um like superhero be a yeah, yeah. principal character david dunn uh, uh, Kevin and um, what's his Elijah. name? Elijah. Elijah, yes. Yeah. Mr. Glass. Um, Mr. Glass. Each of them have like uh, someone in their life that's meant to kind of, you know, bring out the good in them or, you know, see who sees the good in them. And for Kevin, because I guess his therapist is dead, who would have been the only other person maybe. And has um, no one else in his life apparently. And has no <laughs> one else in his life. It's Casey, the girl he kidnapped last movie and tried to kill. And in this movie, she's the one pulling him, like pulling his, like talking to his alters and trying to pull Kevin into the light. Um, which. Uh huh. Through physical touch. Through physical through, touch. Through, oh, yeah. Through oh, physical yeah. Through touch. Love. Th- because through of love. Because that she. The power, like, not a friendship, but of love. Like explicitly. Yes. And that to me just was the absolute most thoughtless thing that they could have done. It undercuts her whole arc from Split, right? Like it, the, if you want to at least give her her character in Split credit, she's it has very the questionable things to say about like what you should do in entrapment situations and how you should mm-hmm. handle them. But like she comes across as like competent, capable and like trying to assess the situation and do something about it? No, How hold on. You... What? Split is a movie without an arc. This is the problem with Split. There is <laughs> well, nothing sure. that distinguishes Casey, except from her past trauma, from the other women that she's kidnapped with. But the movie makes these illusory distinctions between the way she handles the situation and the way they handle it, even though they actually try the same things. Right. They all try to escape at some point. They all take direct action. Mm-hmm. They're all resourceful and clever. Mm-hmm. Casey, for some reason, is identified as the special one. Uh, by the film, and then later it's made explicit that what distinguishes her, what makes her special, is what the beast values in her, which is her her past history with trauma. But I don't like to me this movie. 
underscores the complete lack of an arc or narrative through line that Split actually has. Because when we come to Casey in this movie, it's basically she is she is a little strip of scotch tape being used to like tape over a gaping plot hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is like, damn, we need somebody to relate to Kevin yeah. in this movie. Casey, I, I, what's good? It's especially frustrating because I think Anya Taylor-Joy, who plays Casey like brings a lot to those sequences. Mm -hmm. She is doing her best to make something out of nothing and to provide like a, a, the connection for the audience to give any fuck at all about Kevin, because Mm -hmm. it isn't, I don't care about Kevin at the end of that movie, honestly, or like I care about Kevin, but I don't really care about that. The, I care about Kevin because I care about Casey, Mm -hmm. which is like, Oh, Casey, I don't want Casey to go through more bullshit. Honestly, Mm -hmm. can this just stop? Yeah, and I, I'll just say that this is what I was alluding to at the end of the split podcast when you know she's sitting in the car mm-hmm. and in the police car, and the police officer and her kind of give each other a knowing look about you know the police officer comes over to her and says, uh, "Your uncle is here to pick you up." Who is the one who um, she had been sexually uh, abusing her her whole life? Im- implied by the film. Um, and in the new movie, um, in Glass, she doesn't live. She's with. She lives with a foster family mm-hmm. now, so she's gotten away from her her uncle. And the fact that what the movie is saying is that only by this new only trauma. only by this yeah. new trauma, yeah. only by going through this new trauma, was she able to like stand up and. And you know, f- figure out a way to to leave her current uh, situation, or leave like get her current abuser out of her life, and then and so it's that she like owes something to Kevin, or like because of that, that's like the basis of her like like love for Kevin is that through his kidnapping of her. <sighs> I'm not sure there's any basis. Like I really didn't. They did nothing to set that up outside of we have both gone through abuse, right? Like the yeah. thing that they're trying to draw is Kevin was abused by his mother and and there was like some harsh physical abuse uh, insinuated by some shots in this film mm-hmm. uh, that kind of clarify that a little bit. And then, and then, but that is their connecting point. And that yeah. Shyamalan wants to be the foundation for a relationship of love when I think there are, there are films to be made about how how abusers and the people, how people who've been abused and who go on to hurt other people can try to reconcile and can find some affinity with each other based on their own past previous situations. Mm-hmm. I think those movies can exist. I do not think Glass is that movie because it shoehorns that in in such a way where it's like she hears that he's been arrested. So like in the beginning of the movie after after mm-hmm. uh, the overseer, after David uh, uh, beats him up and the cops show up and they go to, the, to Raven Hill Psychiatric Hospital or, mm-hmm. or whatever it's called. She hears about it from her principal. Her principal calls her in and is like, they, they got, finally caught, they him. caught the guy. <laughs> Aren't you stoked? Aren't you? Yeah, high five. What's good? And she's like, she immediately I, is like, I have to go there, basically. Yeah. She doesn't say that. But well, she says, they say, like, haven't you been thinking about him? Yes. She says, I have been thinking about him. And, like, the way it's shot, the way it, her reaction, like, I immediately got the sense, like, immediately, like, oh, are they going to pull a fucking love story on this? Because that's, like, she goes into like a dewy eyed. I mean, partially because like she's trying to imbue this character with anything, and she's a good actress. But the reaction she gave immediately gave me the creeps on where this was going to go. There's some Beauty and the Beast shit, 
And like, I mean that. And, in, she's, and it's given no screen yeah, time. She's eighteen. Right? Like she's seventeen or eighteen. Like she's a senior in high school. Just wanna. Also, yeah. There's the other part is that in both these movies, we meet the Kevin personality, the core, the 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 core personality underneath all all the all the altars for like five minutes yeah. of screen time. Uh-huh. So like fundamentally Kevin is an idea of just a regular guy afflicted by this condition and battling with all these personalities. But he's this vague idea of a person that we never really meet except for when we meet him in the, in split, he's like, what? I thought I was on a bus. Like his, <laughs> like fundamentally he is not really tracking what is happening to him because the amounts of the gaps he is experiencing, the amounts of time that is passing fundamentally he doesn't know what is happening with his character for extended periods which means he can't really for the mo- for for a lot of this i can't really buy into the fact that he's participating in the same arc that casey is mm. because literally until like 5 minutes before the end of the first movie kevin thought he was riding a greyhound like 5 years ago right his absence is his only personality trait yeah which is just and all of this in consideration with the fact that DID is real right. makes it so, like, I don't know how to talk about, like, the the way that the, the movie talks about, like, the altars, like, fighting against each other and, and like, things like that. It's like, I, I, I want to critique this thing and I want, like, I don't know. There's just, like, it's, there's something about the fact that, like, he based it on a real thing that makes this very hard to talk about because I don't, because this is not a, a good representation of it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And like, that's why like when I, when I want to critique like the way that like, you know, uh, uh, Kevin has been absent. It is, it is a thing for, for alters um, to have uh, like memory lapses and things like right, that. Sure. But the fact that they're like being used so carelessly as narrative devices, like aspects of, of having DID in a in a movie not really about having DID. And it just it it it's it's I think the thing for me is like we can critique the the thing that, that it, it sets up for me is like the thing it it bungles is that because of its mismanagement of DID yeah. or, or or because of its use of DID in general it can't sell you all. It can't sell me on the love story that is at the center of you know a third of this film. Like it isn't even about DID at that point. I mean, it, the all of Split was certainly there, and then here it is too because the character is the idea, and I do think it's poor representation. But it's also just technically and, and in terms of like storytelling, fucked because mm. it just duck. It just by because. If if Kevin had been absent the way he was in that first film, you're mm-hmm. right. There is some grounding in, in DID for that. There is a loss of time. There are alters who do not uh, surface for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. The, the, the kind of craftsmanship fuck up that M. Night Shyamalan makes is then building on that thing, which is which is based in reality, and saying, and now they're in love, despite having only had a five-minute conversation. There's yeah. this deep, innate. Yeah. And that isn't about DID. That is just about like, if they had introduced a new character at the end of the yeah. last movie who was played by a different person, and in this movie, he was only in the movie again for seven minutes, and those together, those scenes are supposed to be the basis for a, a, romantic, a deep love uh, between these two characters, mm-hmm. it would also not work. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. So yeah. I, I think it's, in other words, I think it's fair to, to offer that criticism without 
feeling like you're going to step on eggshells around DID. Yeah. Because it isn't just a failure in that respect, though it is also that. Yeah. You know. We are going to take a quick early break for technical reasons, and we'll come and pick up this point right after. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What does the tiptoe man even mean? What is the implication that, like, is he tall? Is he on his tippy toes? Have you not noticed it's, how graceful oh, he's quiet. Bruce Willis is? is or how much he quiet? did not show up to this film at all in order to uh, act? Well, hold on, though. That's that's just Bruce Willis at this stage in his career. No, I like, know, I know. He's doing know. it as far back as Unbreakable, where his whole deal is, like, <laughs> be kind of a grumpy everyman and, like, just underreact to every scene because you're just so out of it and depressed. Like, Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, he's just, like... Of course you buy him as kind of a depressed dude trapped in endless malaise. When um, was he last good? What was the last good Bruce Willis movie? Wow. Uh, I mean, that dude's just well, been cashing diehard checks for like the last decade. Uh, uh, let's see. I'm, I'm looking up Bruce Willis IMDb. We can he was okay too. in Looper, but editing did most of the work there. Oh, you're right. Man, Looper's all right. Yeah. Looper's pretty fucking good. Um... Uh, he was He's on in Friends. a lot of movies. <laughs> uh, he is. He does. Oh not. my god! He was on Friends. Yeah, he was on Friends. He was Ross's girlfriend who was in college while Ross was a professor's wait, dad. Wait, what did you Sorry. just say? He, he was. You said he was Ross's girlfriend. I was, he was what Ross's girlfriend, co- girlfriends, gotcha. comma, who was a college student of Ross's. Okay, While I'm Ross lost. was a professor, nope. Ross was a professor yeah. and had a college student. Yes, and they started dating after the Ross class and the ended. Student, Ross and the student and, and her dad. Her dad and Rachel started dating. Yikes! What? And then one time they were all in a cabin together. No one knew the other one was dating, and it was bad news. They just thought like. I'm here. We're here with the student, and no, like everyone was like in a different room. <laughs> Gotcha. Not a and good then, movie, by the way. Not surrogates. <laughs> surrogates. Not a good. movie. Not a good movie. Re- extremely seems like it would be my shit. Real Me bad. Too. Real, Real bad. bad. Truly bad. You can anyway, go through this sucks. list and make a credible argument that if we're saying Unbra- that Unbreakable wasn't even that good, that we're going past two thousands. Uh, uh, oh, sixteen give, blocks. I haven't seen what is sixteen blocks. No. Uh, so sixteen blocks is basically three ten to Yuma meets Serpico. Okay. Uh, Bruce Willis has to uh, get a witness in a police corruption case. Sixteen blocks from lockup uh, to the. I've courthouse. seen this. Who else is in it? Um, I've oh seen this. God, uh, most deaf, most deaf, most deaf. Yes, and he's Yasin Bey, and he's the reason uh, that movie's good. Actually, so yeah. now that I think about it, like, mm, yeah, even it, there. Is it is it 1997 the fifth uh, album? Uh, Lucky number eleven. Lucky number eleven's okay, isn't it? Isn't that a thing that people like? 
I haven't seen it. Wait, it's like, like but I'm saying like genuine, genuinely good. Movie? No, the isn't the Banderas movie X versus Sever. That's what I was that's forever of. ago. Uh, uh, Moonrise Kingdom. He's barely in it. He's barely. I'm just okay. saying, like a movie that like Bruce Willis like incredibly Bruce Willis helps movie. carry. Uh, I think it might I be. Think, any, oh. Fifth Element's probably like the last one. I feel like he put in like a performance. I want to give him Looper just so he has anything since two. Okay, I got it. 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 Rugrats go wild. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'll stand behind that. Got it. I mean, it does uh, seem like he's 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 in a sleepy phase and also requires an actor to pull it out of him. Like Looper is probably. That's pulling teeth, right? Was Looper get... that uh, Christian Hayden Christensen movie? No, the Josh, <laughs> uh, not Josh. Uh, uh, Joseph, Joseph Levitt. Jumper. That's Jumper, right? Oh, that's Jumper. <laughs> Jumper's Jumper was Jumper okay? This is a generational thing. This right here is you're from the generation that loves Jumper. <laughs> and you guys love seems like maybe lo- you put a little too much into her excitement, but like love third eye <laughs> Jumper was like maybe a fine, uh, like a decent date movie in high school or something like that. Like this, seems yeah, like that I can, think that's what I did. That is right? probably almost By the way, what you did. Yeah. You know what dawned on me yesterday movie. at the movies? Huh. Yes. <sighs> For some reason, Hollywood casting agents have fallen in love with Jason Clark, and Who's I do Clark? not fuck exactly, Natalie. Exactly, <laughs> who is this man? He is like a boring character Jude actor. Law? Like, what's who is this guy? Oh wow, he's not. What? Oh, he's You'll in Serenity. <laughs> yes. Oh, because you saw Serenity. Yes, but also there were trailers in both movies I saw yesterday for like Jason Clark vehicles, and I'm ninety percent sure they just keep meaning like Jason Isaacs and just like getting like making a mistake and just awkwardly shooting the movie with Jason Clark, or it's just like Jason <laughs> Isaacs. Ooh. Are you sure this isn't like after Friday Night Lights that kept trying to push, uh, push uh, what's his face in like all those action films and it just was not working at all? Oh. Jason Isaacs toured my my high school one time and everyone was like, Lucius is here. Anyway. Taylor, Taylor, K- Taylor Kish? Yeah, because he had a daughter name? that, I don't know. Taylor Kish is from <laughs> Friday oh, yeah. Night Lights. But then also from, uh, what do you call it? Oh my God! Why are we all like this? Battleship. They put him in Battleship. Well, he was right. in John Carter Battleship. He was in a bunch of right. movies. John Carter. That... John Carter was the one that was a huge bomb. That was the one. Right. It that was, was the one that was like supposed to be huge, yep. and they put tons of money into it. Mm-hmm. They marketed it like crazy, and then it was just like bombed. Yep. Just completely bombed. Mm-hmm. Um, John Carter must die. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's John Tucker. <laughs> that was Disney's financials after. Card came out. <laughs> yeah. For all that, though, for uh-huh. all of that, yes, mm-hmm. I found Glass, especially after Split. I was like watching Glass, and I was like, you know, I don't totally hate this. Like, there's a middle section of this movie I like. There's those things I enjoy person, here. Those first person action scenes. Okay, we don't. Have those to get first there yet. person. You don't have well, to start. Dri- let Rob say. Yeah, Rob, I want, I'm, okay. cu- I'm curious because yeah, like, is the is the is your theory there or what you enjoyed? Like at least as messy as it was, it had some sort of. Or at least it's a worldview, tr- <laughs> right? That's what. So, what do you want to do? You want to like kind of lay out where th- this starts when they get back to the, um, to the psychiatric uh, facility, and then the interactions so, begin. Yeah, it's it's tough. I think there is definitely an element of the self congratulation here that uh, Shyamalan is performing 
kind of does work. It's like this reunion of disparate characters and memories and movies. That's like, oh shit, that's a son. He's working. You with remember son. this? Yeah, oh, look, that's Shyamalan. Shyamalan shows up, and they're the same. Did you see that? Did you notice this? Yes. Yeah. Did you pick up this bullshit thing that we're supposed to care about over twenty years? That yeah. M Night Shyamalan is in this movie. He's in Glass, and he's in, or sorry, he's in Split, and he's in Unbreakable. And the twist in this movie is his Unbreakable character is the same as his Split character. Yeah, he's like. Back 20 years ago, I was roughed up with some bad guys. But also, and, it wasn't you know, the point I got clean, I got cleaned up, and you know, thank you or something. I don't. But the point in Unbreakable was you. wasn't the point in Unbreakable that like David Dunn was like stereotyping like a man like no no like no, no, no. he didn't. He hadn't figured out how his power worked yet. Uh, he didn't realize no, he was seeing so, the past. He was seeing. He, so he thought he was seeing the future. So he thought he still had the drugs on him. Ah. Yeah, so he actually passed off the drugs into a trash can to someone else. So he had the drugs at one point, but passed them off and then went into the stadium empty-handed for someone else to grab. And then David Dunn was like, you still have them, but then, huh? But then he pulled himself up by his bootstraps, mm-hmm. and now he Is runs... Po- positive security. thinking? Wasn't that what he positive, said? The positive Power thinking. positive thinking? God. I think that... But there's there's another element here of... This is a lot of talented actors in a movie. To, to a degree, this movie cannot help but be watchable because, mm-hmm. like, let's see, Sarah Paulson, like, on mm-hmm. her way to becoming, like, one of the leading actresses of her generation. Uh, you've got, they don't do much, but Samuel Jackson, Bruce Willis, James McAvoy, like, good at twitching his eyes, though, in a close up. <laughs> extremely good. Sam Jackson um, still seals the show in, in a number of scenes here mm-hmm. where he gets to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and it yeah. does kind of feel, this movie actually does begin to sell me on the idea of this being kind of an effective comic book story. This entire conceit of all these characters being brought together and being put into a giant bottle episode uh, does kind of work for me as a conceit for this film where uh, at the end of... Uh, the overseer's rescue of those cheerleaders. God, it's such a tacky movie. <laughs> those, those cheerleaders that were abducted in their cheerleading uniforms, which cheerleaders just wear all the time. Known fact. Uh, save the, the cheerleaders, squad, save the world. You have to wear that. <laughs> um, it's, like a, it's, it's like a high school uh, movie. Uh, <laughs> so after that scene, I think there's some, compared to the inert action sequences and unbreakable. I think even the, the warehouse fight has some decent moments. Like the shot where they break through into the rain and the strobe lights come up and the cops are arrayed there in the background. It's like, shit, that's actually a cool moment. Now, admittedly the ripped off Spike Lee, uh, first person, uh, camera fight sequences are not great. Um, yeah. Also, I don't buy that. If the beast is hurling a giant like carpenter's table across a room into a teenage girl's head, that she's just gonna get up like she does and she's fine. She was, you know, but, yeah. But I guess we she's can't. waiting to be awoken. Oh, maybe she's, she she's has, has powers. potential. Yo, if she if he had like stunt cast, she got that a strong girl, brain. Imagine if he had cast someone who was like like an up and coming actress just as that one cheerleader uh-huh. and she was fine. Yeah. That would be planting the seeds for the next movie, Unbreakable 2. Sorry. She's her. the Unbreakable. Where she's the Unbreakable one. Yeah, I'd be down with that. See? Um, um, but that's not it. The, the stuff that you're talking about, I think in general, 
does the thing. There's a lot of moments that someone pointed this out after our Unbreakable podcast that a lot of the framing is like comic booky framing in terms of the way characters are silhouetted or the the shot composition pulling from big splash pages, stuff like that, and things like the light that's like silhouetting them when they're out in the rain. Mm-hmm. when they first start fighting is is, is, uh, is a great example of that. And then I think it also undermines that. There's a lot of those shots at the beginning of the big final action sequence that are purposefully kind of de-aestheticized. <laughs> the parking lot scene. The parking lot scene, the right. The like lot. shot like from security cameras. 100%, and it's supposed to be, right? Like you can see, I, I don't know if other, like I knew that's where that was going as soon as Sam Jackson got to a computer, as soon as Mr. Glass got to a computer. It's like I all but expected him to use the Ozymandias like... I wouldn't tell they you about it. They showed him scripting, I, I and they just never ago. went back to it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, he's putting this on Twitch, right? This is definitely on twitch.tv <laughs> slash Mr. Glass. The movie opens, oh, God, the movie opens on, what if somebody just kicked the shit out of the Pauls? Right, like, yeah, and it was 100%. Like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Like, I wish, I wish. <laughs> Bruce Willis yes. is like these fucking Gen Zers. I hate them. I resent <laughs> them. And I think their form of entertainment is stupid. And Okay, but to be fair, their form corrupting. of entertainment is the knockout game. So <laughs> a dude did just Superman punch a guy. So eh, if Logan Paul started Superman punching people... It would be on site for that motherfucker. It would be on for everybody. Fucking. Everybody would be out to get him. Yeah, 100%. All, more than is already true. <laughs> and um, that little that little bit in the house when like the lights go off and he kind of comes across as just scary as shit was like, you know, those little yeah. bits where M Night is able to like ah like if you could well, just. But that's capture what more, Natalie was saying. Right. They're like, there's a version of this yeah. mm-hmm. of this world that works. Mm-hmm. And it's the stuff that he failed to do in the previous movies, which is give these characters kind of and heroic or otherworldly aspect, right? That there was nothing sort of, um, th- there there was nothing, not even necessarily inspiring, but nothing particularly evocative about the way these characters inhabited the world. Uh, and now there, there kind of is, and we get a taste of that before they're all dumped into uh, the classic, old-fashioned, uh, like Arkham-like uh, mm-hmm. mental institution. Mm-hmm. Down to hydro, like the massive hydrotherapy room that's keeping uh, uh, David God. under control. Uh, the <clears throat> uh, strobe lights barricade that's keeping uh, the horde. Like just torturing these people, right? Like just like knowing what they're like using their weakness. But okay, if they're real people, let's take away the supernatural facade for a second, right? You're just like fucking torturing these people. But we, but like you, you're using the like the one that you know that they're this guy is scared of water. Let's say right, he's well, an average dude is. scared of water, and you're fucking like waterboarding him, and like it's just. But that's, that's the thing. Is like I think. I, go on. Go ahead, Rob. All right, so uh, I, I'll go. No, Rob. don't worry about it, Austin. I got this. Uh, <laughs> I believe no, in you. That's what's. That's what I find kind of suspenseful and exciting here is. It is so clear that Sarah Paulson's character is up to no fucking good. She's right. even got the color scheme that signifies she's a major character in this comics universe, right? Like, the, the scene that gives it away is when she's wearing her pink outfit and she's in the pink room and interviewing them. Uh, but the entire thing is, from the, from the jump, we basically know that whatever she's purporting to do, whatever she's saying, this whole deal about, I have three days to convince you that you're delusional or something <laughs> else is going to happen. We're like, that's not what you're here for. That's that's not what is really going on. The thing that worked for me about those sequences is, and and this to me, again, is the window into the vision of Unbreakable that would have, or into the, the East Rail 177 universe that would work, is 
it is revealing something that's true about superhero fiction already, which is when supervillains go to supervillain jail, they are being tortured, mm -hmm. right? Like, or, you know, uh, if you have to arrest someone who has ice powers, you put them in a room that's cold enough for them to live, but not so cold that they can use their ice right. powers to get out. If you put poison ivy in a room, like, yeah, there's going to be some plants around, but not so many plants. Like, she's going to feel lonely because you're not going to give her what she needs to yeah. escape, right? Yeah. That's already true. Like, the Magneto glass room where that's everything true. is made of glass. And, like, like that is all... That is just from that fiction. But mm -hmm. what this movie wants to do, what it's trying to do, is slide the, the camera behind those characters instead of looking at them mm -hmm. so that you're like, I hope they get out. Yeah. I don't know that it's successful at doing that except for Mr. Glass, who is not held by any uh, you know any any um, dramatic, supernatural, super powerful means, except two sh or one shitty guard who is the worst motherfucker in the world who like threatens to break his legs over oh, some God. nothing bullshit, yeah. uh, which is which is the reality for people in jail yeah. already. People and, who don't have superpowers. And also people in, you know, uh, like assisted care it, yeah, and stuff absolutely. like that. That is yes, like yeah. a huge... Senior abuse and, and the abuse of the disabled mm -hmm. uh, is, is a huge thing. And so mm -hmm. like that perspective <clears throat> is... That landed for me. Mm -hmm. And I was like... Is that the dude who gets his, or is it sadly is it the nicer one who gets his? They all get there. Uh, who gets cut? It's the one, the talkative one gets cut, gets slashed across the throat. Sorry to the talkative one. Yeah, like the nice talkative one, the nicer, the he's like nicer, but he's also one that starts slamming the fucking hypnosis lights oh, true, on. He's true, like da da true, da true. da. Yeah, like, but the horde is trying did, to kill he, him. He, he did seem scared though, right? Like I mean, he's exploiting the weapon in front of him, and yeah, but like he he did seem there was scared though. Terror. Is not great. Yes, he was. I think the, this is the part of the reason why this part is tough for me is mm -hmm. like the horde and the beast eat people. Yeah. They do do that, yeah. right? They <laughs> right. do eat people. That's what's so oh, that's what's so hard about this is that there's like the 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 average shit and the supernatural shit is just like it's like it doesn't it's not complementing each other. Right. It's like at odds with each other in a way that is not like making the other one better in a way right. like it is it is like they're like complicating each other in a way that's not like not in the way that like oh this is complicated and that's mm -hmm. interesting it's like they're not like well that's m night in a nutshell right like is is that like he feels like he's pulling things off of a shelf that sound like i've got some depth here but really like he himself is out of his depth because he doesn't actually often know what he's playing with. Well, and, and Samuel L. Jackson even has that scene where he basically puts a big old lampshade on the entire like <laughs> conceit of this world and the world of the Northeast Corridor, uh, which is that he says everything here could be explained by science, but right. it is also magical and heroic or, so, or, so, or some bullshit. But basically he's arguing that we're in this like twilight world of... Oh yeah, this is a realistic world where things behave according to natural laws and their scientific explanations, but also it's superheroes. Mm -hmm. it, but this that there, makes it icky. There mm -hmm. is a one of the things that's interesting for me as someone who like used to be deep into comics mm -hmm. um, is that there is a heritage of the, M Night Shyamalan is not the first person to be like, "What if superheroes but real?" Right, right. right. Um, and sometimes that goes. That's almost always this very dark and edgy thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and obviously, we already talked about heroes on this podcast briefly just now. We moved to, to save the cheerleader, save the world bit, <laughs> yeah. which is also was also trying to do that bit, right? If people if people were like, "Oh, I wish this universe, but like 
less shitty to I don't know. I haven't rewatched Heroes in a long I, time. That, like, I watched the first I had two seasons memories, of Heroes. Yeah, I had fond memories of what that show was attempting to do before it all like fell apart under its own mythology. Um, um, but yeah, but in, yeah. He- Heroes is basically like what if Unbreakable but TV series and like a little mm-hmm. happier and less right. bleak. And then, like, but in the world of superhero comics, like, you have really edgy experiments like The Boys. You obviously have Watchmen, Alan Moore's, uh, uh, like, seminal work that that is a complete deconstruction of the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, you have things like The Dark Knight, Frank Miller's The Dark Knight, or even Kingdom Come. Things that are like, oh, what if superheroes existed as superheroes, but they had, like, dark motivations, human motivations, and we thought of them as humans who broke down and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and etc. God, fuck off, the Night Shyamalan, <laughs> for corrupting etc. for me. Um, uh, but but like, in some way, this is a film that wants to n- not. Ex- he, this, this film feels like it doesn't want those to exist. It wants me as the viewer to not know that superheroes have been deconstructed be- before, um, because so many of its tricks mm-hmm. are someone literally looking at the camera and saying. In comic books, this is what happens. Uh, it did that a little bit. Showdown. In show. This is the showdown. It did this that a little is, bit. This is when all the main characters come together. <laughs> I can't believe it that they did it like three times in this movie. Like I thought, in a, the, in a the first time it happened, sort of worked. Yeah, and it's 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 always uh, put on uh, Elijah, right? Like he or then Elijah's mom, like, which or is Elijah's also, mom. Yeah, they yeah, just, yeah, yeah. They come like so. There's like meta narrators of like it's just weird. Like you're right. Like it's a movie that pretends nothing has happened in the last 20 years and that M. Night has had this like grand revelation of how we should think about comic book characters even though like so much has happened in the 19 years since. Like the idea of like the uh, comic book uh, uh, terminology is now, that's, everyone is familiar with the tropes. Yeah, it makes sense in Unbreakable because like even the audience within the movie, like the guy that tries to buy the, the like super, you know, expensive comic book drawing for his like four-year-old kid and 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 uh elijah's like you don't know what you're doing like you obviously don't know what you're what you're what you have in front of you um it it makes sense there but yeah at this point it's like we like presumably in this universe too like people and they say that they're like everyone knows about superheroes (laughs) now and thinks they're one Mm -hmm. because of comic book movies so then treat the audience like your audience within the movie, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like right. it's like there's no like continuity. We know what the showdown them. is. We've all seen Marvel movies. Yeah. You yeah. Don't oh, need but, the but, character. But, hey, but you need to put out the Osaka Tower magazine. It says oh. a true Marvel. Unbelievable. I can't With believe the they did that. Font. <laughs> I didn't even catch that and I'm upset. Oh, now. it's oh it just, it's the I font. was pulling my hair out. I, or similar enough to not get yeah, sued. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and there's the um Again, what does this series want to say about comic books? It still remains kind of opaque to me because you have Sarah Paulson at one point, I think when she's confronting David's son, mm-hmm. uh, or may- maybe it's uh, may- maybe it's Mr. Glass's, uh, Elijah's, Elijah's mother, but where she's explaining that, you know, I've been to comic books conventions. They're trying to sell you something and basically articulating this view that yeah. like comics are a low and ultimately destructive art. Comic-Con um, is dangerous. <laughs> the, or have been corrupted a... in some way by, like, mass consumer... Like, the, yes. There's not even a through line that, like... Maybe there's a through line where it's like, oh, comics used to be... Like, because there's, you know, Elijah's whole thing is, like, they are 
mythological tomes that are passing down history, which given the twist at the end, like mm-hmm. puts so much weight behind that. But I then love Assassin's Sir Paul, Creed. <laughs> Sir Paulson's character is, you know, like weirdly articulating a sense like, oh, they've been corrupted by like the mass adoption of, of like cultural consumerism, which it, it's it a confused land. message. It doesn't but also land. she's guarding the secret. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is a there's a piece that went up recently over on uh, the Guardian by Zach Vas- Vasquez called Shattered Glass: Why We Need to Stop Deconstructing Our Superheroes, which is an interesting read. But I just want to read one little segment before we talk about like kind of the, the final act of this film and the conclusion and try to bring it together because I think it speaks to some of what we're talking about around the like does this film successfully deconstruct the superhero or make it more realistic or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the rest of the piece kind of sets up the stage, which is what we've already done around saying, hey, you know, everything from Watchmen to The Dark Knight and everything in between has been deconstructing superhero films. Even Marvel has done it with some of their films uh, in, in the last few years, um, like Civil War and uh, what's the what's the, what's the the good one? So, uh, Winter Soldier. Thor. Oh. <laughs> uh, Thor, right. Um, all of these films, all of the deconstructive films, all the, the films that deconstruct uh, superheroes, coat themselves in layers of moral ambiguity right up until their third acts, at which point they drop whatever philosophical and moral quandaries they have introduced, the most egregious example being Batman's one-time use of warrantless wiretapping in The Dark Knight, to focus on the final very expensive set piece. Good ultimately triumphs, unless it's the middle entry of a franchise in which it might end on a cliffhanger, and any ambiguity is traded in for easily digestible lessons usually about sacrifice or humility or something along those lines. And that, minus the very expensive set piece, which is super obviously missing here for budget reasons, where I felt the budget so much on this movie, Mm -hmm. partially because I just don't think it's well edited or well shot for for much of it. To hide it, right? To hide it, yeah. It's it's a movie that uh, split being, you know, the way it was conceived could hide the fact that there wasn't much, you know, again, if you forget, like, these movies are... uh, this movie costs like made in production with, dollars or something. Yeah, make. they're made in production with Bloomhouse, which does like you know we've talked about like the low, the low uh, budget Sorry, model to make it up million. on the back end. These, twenty million these to mo- make. Well, and also these which movies are, self- are co-financed with M Night himself. Right. He, starting with the visit, he started co-financing these movies. He took the money from the visit, put that in a split. Took the money from split, put it. So like there is, yeah, it's just when you're gonna make those, usually the reason you bottle it, like the reason you bottle it inside the. The, the facility is because you can hide the fact that you don't have that many rooms to play with. But the moment you go to the fucking parking lot and start doing wide shots <laughs> that like show you don't have much to go with, is just... which is like on one hand I like it. I like the I do like that there is that it's that it's not the the tower that it chooses and, to and be something yet, more. But mundane. if they like would have, and that's the thing that I'm saying is like that's the average, right. right? That's the normal. That's the real. But it's like not. It's not in. like communication with what the supernatural is like it's not in communication with what the spectacle of of marvel movies are of of what comic book movies are like it's like do you think like it just needed to be shifted a little close i didn't have to go to the tower but it could have gone to no i think it could have been in the parking lot but like bring that like out more in a way that's like talking about the like the averageness of this Mm. do you know what i mean not trying to like pretend it's something like fantastical in like a average set. Do piece. you just want there not to be superpowers, or do you want it to be because like, I think it's already shot in such a way that the superpowers don't look that remarkable. Mm-hmm. Like they flip a car over. I, I that part like this is one of the things. Like again, on paper this works for me, and I think even to some degree the conclusion of all of this, Mister Glass like winning in the end because Sam Jackson can make me feel for that character and mm-hmm. his mother can make me feel for that character. Mm-hmm. Like that stuff still landed for me. 
the fight scene didn't really because it maybe if the fight scene was like when he's, well. when he's doing the tiger leap across like I'm like Slower. no see that would have been a time to like wide come, shot on it yeah that's exactly it so, that would have been a time to come close in so right is the premise yeah. then that maybe they could have shot this like a big budget Marvel yeah. movie but kept it in yeah the, that's what I think the, is like maybe you right. like you reel it in like closer and like shoot it tight and like and like gr- gritty and like but maybe there's something that kind of shows that it's still in this like real life i don't know maybe it is the fact that like all those people are watching or i don't know what it is i'm not a fucking filmmaker um (laughs) but it doesn't work but it just doesn't work so i think for me like where this movie kind of really begins to fumble is actually that scene with the three of them being interviewed by sarah paulson because the best scenes in unbreakable are when elijah is trying to get bruce willis to see the world the way he sees it Mm-hmm. He's articulating, mm-hmm. again, the we live in mediocre time speech. This movie badly needs a mediocre time speech. It needs these three characters to regard each other and look at each other. And it is really like telling, and I think speaks to the problems with this film, that in a scene with the three actors sort of lined up and talking to Sarah Paulson, it's all shot in a series of two shots between Sarah Paulson's character and uh, the, the 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 three superheroes, right? And mm-hmm. well, or uh, super yeah, characters, yeah, yeah. whatever, whatever you want to. They call don't them. have a they don't have a name for them, do they? They don't have no. like an Acela heroes. Anyway, okay. uh, the the three uh, the the three heroes the are three there. Train but cars. They're, they're all isolated in the series of two shots. And at one point, McAvoy even looks to his left as something lands for that character. And is looking toward Bruce Willis's character, but we never see Bruce Willis's character react. It's all this, despite the fact you have an incredible amount of star power in one room. You have one set with four great actors sharing it. They never interact. They don't yeah. talk to it. Mm-hmm. Like I was so Im- bummed. Imagine that scene. Like imagine what Tarantino would do with that scene. It would be gaudy. It would be showy. But they would talk to each other, and they, there would be ideas, and there would be sort of an exchange of, you know, actual positions that try to add up to a greater meaning for this movie. Here, you it's don't even like, need to. You don't even need to do what would Tarantino do. You could do what did M Night Shyamalan do in Unbreakable? Monologue. Yes, <laughs> but like in Unbreakable, that at least was some exchange. There was a monologue, certainly. Uh, but like even there, you did get Sam Jackson and Bruce Willis talking and debating or or the the actual the uh, mediocrity uh we live in mediocre time scene was with the wife who who has since died of leukemia in, in this film and there's like the very briefest of scenes where he sits down at a table and he, he i think it's like i need to tell you something which must have been the reveal of what him and his son have been up to but the movie and the movie the, the way the music and the way it's shot is like yo she wasn't cool with it but it's never like Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it We're sets not, it up as there's no scene she, between him and Joseph that's like, hey, like, you know, we fucked up telling your mom she sure didn't like us, and then she died of cancer. I guess. Yeah, it <laughs> sets it up like they broke up again. Like it right. sets it up yep. like yeah, they I like that's what left. I was I was like, oh, she she's gone. Like she left. There was also there was also again like this is just me coming to this as a comic book fan, but like yeah, this is like getting into Watchmen spoilers. A character's partner getting diagnosed with 
people people being diagnosed with cancer because of proximity to superheroes is a thing in superhero fiction. Like no. there like is a as ex from exposure from exposure. Oh. And I was like, oh fuck, they are not going to do this, are they? And they don't. But I can't shake the feeling that M Night Shyamalan is like, mm hmm, I got you, Austin. Oh. And it's not. This isn't a thing. This isn't a knock against the film. But there is a certain when the film is also the film that's like, this is called the showdown. Like. It's as ah, it just it's it it made me uneasy about the film. It made me as if I was watching a con man at work. Do you know what I mean? It's like he showed me the card up his sleeve a little bit mm -hmm. and then put it back. I was like, no, but I'm gonna play this game fair. And I just don't trust him. I, mean, <laughs> I just don't that's trust M him. That's M Night's whole I know, I know, scripting totally. logic. Yeah. I do totally want to show man. We do get a taste of I think that better movie, which is when Elijah is talking to Hedwig when yep, he goes 100%. and busts the horde out. It's like, oh, thank God, like written characters interacting <laughs> with each other. Like, it is amazing where, like, Hedwig, Hedwig is like, so what am I? What's what, what's my superpower? Oh. And the, well, you're nine forever, right? Yeah. That's remarkable. Like, yeah. man, Samuel Jackson, like... Fuck, man. He doesn't have to do much in this movie, which is good because <laughs> he does not do much, but, like, he... There are a couple lines where, like, he's I got disagree. three, four words he can really he deliver. He does them. need to do much. Rob... He needed to do more, but not because Sam Jackson needed to do more. He needed to be scripted. The name of the movie is Glass. <laughs> My guy doesn't talk until For minute, 70 minutes. Se 70 yeah, minutes. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, there's a way to do that. And it certainly built tension and like hype and like, I need him to do something. And then he fucking does some shit. Like no yeah. doubt. That, that little bit, the bits of the film between us realizing that Elijah is not just aware, but active. Yeah. And the big fight scene at the end is my favorite part of this movie. Yeah, agreed. Um, and I and it's also he does, he also talks to da to David. He does. There's the great talk of him like threatening the tower and like talking into the cell, and he's like setting it up. He's putting the chess pieces on the board, and is like, well, David, you know, I'm gonna me and and the beast are gonna go to this tower, and if someone doesn't come to stop us, a lot of people are gonna die, David. Mm -hmm. And it is the clearest that his motivation is throughout the entire trilogy I think in a sense in like obviously he's already said his entire goal is to make the world understand that there that we are not living in mediocre times that we do have something mm -hmm. amazing inside of us but it's like the clearest um, summation or or example of him putting that ideology on the table mm -hmm. with all honesty instead of it being an allusion to past actions it's him setting up something going forward and giving stakes that are not just the immediate stakes mm -hmm. it's not just can they be stopped it's Will the world learn what is true about the world? Will we all learn that we have something special in us, maybe? Right. But here's the thing. We never really see what the world is like. What is the world being in mediocre times? Like, what does that even mean? It just mean? means us. It means, it means that, But like, we never, like, see that. Do you know right. what I mean? Like, it, the, the, ev all the coverage and, ev like, there's no, like, larger setting for, like, this is what, like, is going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. We don't even see like us, like average day to day, really, because it just immediately goes into, you know, uh, uh, David Dunn, like, and and uh, Kevin getting arrested, and then we're in the psychiatric world. We're never like just taking place, like, in the actual larger world and seeing what mediocre times means. And so that's like a little bit of the disconnect. Is like I don't know. Like what were and they could have done that with little work, right? Yeah, like, that could have been like one. <laughs> give me a montage. Give, give me yeah. a montage. Give me a conversation. Something on the, something on the news that like helps because the movie goes so far to like justify Glass as, in some ways, you know, if not a hero, like with some noble intentions along the way. And Samuel Jackson's act 
acting does so much to help you buy his argument. But when you step back and look at like <laughs> at Natalie's exact point, which is like, all right, do the ends justify the means of this? It's really hard to find any justification across three films that what these what this secret society was doing bad genocide bad but like what like the thousands tens of thousands of lives that Samuel oh, Jackson took out in pursuit of this but you in the moment he makes you believe well I mean man you know dude's got a point um, but it, it, they don't do enough groundwork to like balance that out with like it's like Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street but with like mass murder <laughs> well like the thing is the case that needed to be made and is never made except in Bruce Willis's case and David Dunn's case in Unbreakable, is there are all of these people whose lives could be improved because they could be their real selves. They could be open to who they truly yeah, it are. It does it in micro, yeah, just not could macro. Could we see, like, who... Uh, right, that's what I'm saying, is they could have made those cases with small vignettes throughout this film. Of people, like, not, like, being real. their full potential. Or right, whatever, exactly. Yeah. Well, like, and, and you almost... Uh, there's a ver- I, There could be a version of this film that has $5 million more that's spent just on a montage at the end of people around the world. Like, like waking up. Waking up to their powers. Being yeah. woken. Being, or, right, they're woke. That's the... <laughs> oh my God, we figured it out. That's the... That's what it is. That's what the name is. You gotta be woke. <laughs> or, what, or what if like this movie, like, not necessarily longer, but like if this was like two films, right? Like there's so much... Like if more of this film was just David Dunn and his son, like trying to deal with being like the special in a world of mediocrity and realizing how little they can actually do against like the larger tide. Like you could, you you start to see how like a a different version of this film or one that like splits the difference finds like drags out like their life and their dealing with, um, you know, dealing with, and maybe that like also allows you to bring in the wife and like find a better way to like, Mm. yeah. Right. And like she falls out from, like, I mean, there's a totally understandable reason that, like, she'd be like, fuck y'all, if she finds out for, like, 15 years they've been yeah. operating, like, a secret shadowy thing. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. That, you, there's a, there's a, if anything, like, I believe the original trilogy was supposed to center around David Dunn. And then it kind of got lost from that because of the weird way this actually came about. And there's probably a much better, you know, M. Night's, he's not shown to be particularly responsible with his storytelling. But again, if, like, like someone brought this up on Twitter when I was asking for a question. Was like, are, you know, are there bones here where like a better filmmaker, better scripts could have done something more interesting? And it's like, yeah, like there is a David Dunn trilogy that takes a lot of these ideas and arrives at roughly the same conclusion, like mm-hmm. about the secret society and unlocking people, that is a lot more interesting than the three films we got. There's something that bugs me here. This is what bummed, bummed me out so much about the fact that they just wrote uh, <laughs> his wife's character out completely. Is that so much of the tension of that movie, in addition to the Elijah David uh, dynamic, I really enjoyed the tension in Unbreakable where he loved her and had spent a lot of his life trying to be someone she would accept in her life and like to, to share a life with. Um, and they fundamentally had different values. Now, that ends up putting a lot on her character that she shouldn't like necessarily have to bear. Mm -hmm. But I did like at the end of the movie, you have the very, it's an extremely watchman thing where after he's gone out and done his hero shit and just beaten the hell out of somebody. Now he's a man. He carries her up the stairs to the, to the bedroom there. They're going to be man and wife again. It's going to be, and that is all predicated on the fact that he's now lying to her again. That like, 
oh, right. I'm yeah. just going to go off and fucking break bones and kick ass, which is specifically the thing you told me you were not about when we got together. Yep. I'm now doing it on the sly. It's going to be great for our marriage. My son and I are now going to be lying to you every day. And yep. that's going to create a division. Like he's he's my kid now. Like more like we're you know we're on one side and you're going to be in the other. I think there's a really interesting direction they could have gone with that in this third movie, where like sort of a dark Incredibles in a way of trying like yeah. trying to like, sketch out a marriage. Uh, but instead, they're just like, yeah, you know, uh, her, her that dramatic arc was tied off pretty neatly. We think, and uh, she's dead now. Uh, she's dead. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I don't trust this team to have stuck the landing on that pitch you just gave, because that's a film that I want most, I want her perspective to be a perspective and not for her to be a character. And I want the film to know that I should, like, not like David Dunn because of that. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I think that he's not, like, protecting her and then that and that's a noble act. Right. Sometimes people, regular people can't know. Women yeah, can't so they know. can't handle uh-huh. it. Yeah. Just. There, there is, there are bones to something here. Yeah. I think if you gave different, better filmmakers the same like basic structure, if you like knocked out, and also like I Looper's think Looper's Ryan Johnson. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Johnson's Unbreakable trilogy, I would watch. Ryan Johnson, uh, uh, the director of Brick, uh, yeah, Brick, and what's the Last other? Jedi. Well, there's a third one. Looper. 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 Fuck. Oh. Are you which okay? I just said. Did you say Looper? That's how I introduced him. I didn't hear you say Looper. (laughs) I'm in my own mind really badly. Well, because, because, you know, in a lot of ways, Last Jedi is an interesting, you know, deconstruction of Star Wars as mythologies. Like, he's the kind of, you know, he's just the one that comes to mind. There are lots of filmmakers who do it, but he's the one, like, he sees and successfully in a lot of ways in Last Jedi played with ideas of deconstructing things without, without hitting you over the head with it in a monologue-y sort of way that, like, M. Night Shyamalan is a much lesser screenwriter and filmmaker, just cannot do anything but stare at the camera and say, showdown. Yeah. Um, uh. Fuck. Um, here's a thing that we did not talk about. The insignia for the ancient <laughs> oh organization uh-huh. of, of battling superheroes is a clover? Listen. So every there's no joke I can make that isn't terrible. <laughs> How mm. when I when I saw, yep. when I saw the montage of Clover tattoos, I was like, Do you think it's the Pope? Do you think it's the Holy Trinity thing? Do you think it's just Assassin's Creed? Because like they're the Templars, right? Like they are the Assassin's Creed Templars. I don't know if people played Assassin's Creed games. The Templars are an I evil, an evil uh, ancient association that. Uh, What's their emblem? Clovers. No, but there, but the Pope was one, and a clover has like a three-leaf clover. Right, is the it's like the Trinity. Yeah, yeah, it's a Trinity. They're like, yeah. I just think, and also their whole thing is uh, very Templar-esque. It, it is. Uh, it's it that, is. or it's or it's uh, Irish, also, you know, which is also not great. What is it? What love, is their bit? Why is it a clover? Love to love to have my secret lair be like a popular daytime lunch spot, <laughs> or just. Where we also invite one. normal people yes. and we just quietly wait for them to finish paying. Like, when are they going to finish their check? They got another drink. What do you think they talk Get about? Get the fuck it's out. 
It's, while they're waiting. Do you think someone is like... I totally forgot about that. Did you see that. the fucking was... Eagles game last it night, It happens bro? twice. It happens twice. In two different places. That other place isn't the same place. Oh, no, it's not? No, the, uh, the first place that they show the video <laughs> of is her in like this tiny little like hallway <sighs> restaurant. Like it's it's a small restaurant. I thought maybe that was a private room maybe. in the same... It was building. a private room that closed the door. <laughs> also, look, I just got to ask like the class dynamics within your secret society because like, okay, uh-huh. it's just us. And it's a bunch of like <laughs> uh, waiters, like waitresses, bartenders, bankers, and like I'm like, okay, so is it share and share alike, or is everyone still all- going home where it's like, oh, well, I got to go to my sixth floor walk up now after my shift, being uh. a bartender working on tips at the Clover Society. <laughs> Or is it just a front and they're all getting paid very handsomely for being a part of the society and they're like, I just like bartending. Mm-hmm. I like being a mixologist. Doesn't sound like and- mediocre times to me. <laughs> uh, uh, so hold on. I'm just going to look it up real quick. Let's see how much how much money to rent a party space. Just give me a party hall in New York. You know, uh, $175 an hour. Just rent somewhere. You don't have to wait for people to leave then. Just rent a place. Just rent a how place. How much infinite less resources. cool would that feel though if it's like okay now you go to the vfw hall 52 and you go in oh that'd be great clover balloons outside the door (laughs) (laughs) folding tables set up i mean you could have even done like like if you this whole setup he has like you could have done a funny bit even with it where it's like they realize like a normal person is just like stuck in there. It's like yeah. someone raised their hand like, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, wait, why did everyone get <laughs> quiet? I was yeah. waiting for my Reuben and then <laughs> just like one guy still at the bar, like oh. on his like eighth beer and is like not leaving. <laughs> I but okay, so here's the actual like industry side question. Is this it? Is this the beginning of the new next thing? Who stars in his next superhero movie? I don't know if he said. I should look and see. Is, if is he, it coming? Has he said for sure? This is, is this the I don't end? Know. I'm gonna look. Well, I mean, the the movies and like culminates in declaration of this isn't a limited edition. This is an origin story. God, but right. there's no one except, with the possible exception of the immortal cheerleader, uh, there doesn't appear <laughs> to be any like superpowered individual in this film except for maybe Casey's. Troubling capacity Power for Power of touch. Oh my god. Oh, yeah, that's they the would other totally thing. make her a psychic or something that's in the next the thing. movie, right? Is it almost felt like the people that were gonna wake up next were Elijah's mom, David's uh-huh. son, and fucking Casey. Like they were gonna be the next like awoken or whatever the, the next, fuck yeah. was. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so when they oh god. Mm. He's, uh, I don't want to relive stuff, and I don't want to be an opportunist. Yeah, okay, M. Knight. Uh, that's not the relationship that I have with the audience that I aspire to. My aspiration is they know they're going to get an original thriller every single time. That's where my taste goes, so I'm going to say no right now. So that was in December. That's before this movie made a shitload of money. Yeah, this movie did um, super well. Again, it, it cost $20 million, yeah. It made $164 oh, yeah. million so far. It was, yeah, profitable like on its first day. Um, I think... Who would want to see that movie? Like, I just don't like. Also, I don't, like get like that movie would involve so much more action and set pieces just by by you nature. Mean the next or would it? Like, yeah. Like, is there? So, if you end on sort of the Assassin's Creed, the Clover Society is out there, and they could be anywhere. What you could end up with is a really paranoid, like, vision of sort of a. 
like certain X-Men arcs where like super super powered individuals are basically like hunted and under attack and like always have to be watching their back, right? Like the I can imagine like which is just heroes. It's just heroes. That's the show. Good. Heroes. Make that and don't shit the bed. Like I <laughs> like could, you could all just watch that. heroes. You like, could all just watch The Incredibles. <laughs> That's the same movie. The Incredibles. Mm, uh, yeah. I That's am, what um, The Incredibles is. Everyone goes into hiding and lives average lives, yeah. even though they know they have more. Ma- Potential, but they're the being government, hunted by the government. The government came in and said, "You're yeah, not allowed okay. to be your best self." The government tries to tax you. You got to be an insurance guy. Yep. Don't trust big government. Well, given uh, given the Incredibles invoked, uh, I asked for some questions on uh, Twitter. Um, uh, Adam and. And Glossy uh, asks, uh, "I'd be interested in hearing you talk about the Randian undercurrent of the ending, especially as it contrasts with the Incredibles." which this person says, uh, in their opinion, never forgets the, quote, with great power comes great responsibility, whereas Glass just wants us to admire power. I think The Incredibles is incredibly Randian, but also I'll be quiet. Why? Because I think The Incredibles is incredibly Randian. Well, that, that's not like a... Why? You're not, you're not no, like I'm expressing not. like a, a uh, no. unpopular viewpoint. No, uh, I think it's an unpopular viewpoint. Do you want to unpack... Redbird's openly... I think some people have, yeah, uh-huh, exactly. Wanna, Redbird is, oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Is Can you unpack what that means for yeah. people? So the, the Incredibles, I, so I haven't seen Incredibles 2, which I heard sort of steps us back a little bit, just despite the fact that there is, like, an entrepreneur character who gets, like, some, anyway, I'm not going to spoil what I've read about Incredibles 2, but I've seen Incredibles 1 a number of times. Mm-hmm. I loved it when it first came out. When I went to revisit it uh, years later, I was like, whoa, there is, like, a weird undercurrent here, which is that the the primary the, the protagonists are people who have had to hide their true potential mm-hmm. that makes them better than other people and the mm-hmm. villain is someone who wants to make everyone special that is like literally the the plot of the incredibles mm-hmm. and that that would be too chaotic and too dangerous to give everybody superpowers and so they have to stop him and also show the world that some of us are just better than, than other people and that we shouldn't have to hide that or bring that down. And like, there's a very feel good m- version of that when you, if, if what you read it as is like uh, difference is, is acceptable. It's okay not to be quote being unquote your tru- normal. Boing, being your true self. Or, or if you are someone who has an identity that is marginalized or, or, is rendered abnormal, then, then that isn't something that you should, that you should hide. But Ratatouille but that, does all that better. Ratatouille does all that better. Um, and also, that isn't the truth of The Incredibles. The Incredibles is a film in which one person is super strong and one person is super elastic, and they're all just—they are just super—they're super people. They're yeah. not like quote unquote abnormal mm-hmm. in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, there is this line through it that it never confronts that says, "What about regular people who are also forced to hide who they are?" and not because they have superpowers. Mm. In that world, they will continue to have to hide who they are, and also now there will be this new class of people who has superpowers <laughs> and is just better. Um, I agree that like that film does want those people with superpowers to have to do something good for the world. With great power comes great responsibility, yeah. but like I don't think that that saves it, it from it. In two, when they fuck up, they're like held responsible. Sure. I, I mean that's that's, that's what, what one is. One, that's too. what one is. That's but why the they have to go. They shouldn't the... have been held as responsible as they should have, as they were. That there should be some system in which they're allowed to be the goodies. You know. But it's like, wait, what do you mean? In one, the end of it is not, and now they're going to go back to living private lives where they don't get to do superhero shit. Right, but what I'm saying is like when they fucked up in the past, like when like right, their and that's actions, a, but that's framed like, as a bad thing. For the whole movie. Cause mass destruction or like, I don't know, like destruction of infrastructure and right. stuff like that. 
that they're like being held responsible. Right, but that but then the rest of that film is and the world is worse for it because we don't get to be superheroes anymore. We have to be private about our superheroism. That uh-huh. is, the, the villain of that movie is someone who, who wants everybody to be equal, wants right, everybody to right, be super right, powerful. Right. And the secondary villain of that movie, the reason that they can't just stop him out the gate is that they've had to move into private lives right. where they don't get to live up to their true potential because regulators have stepped in. Right. Which is also the question of like Civil War. It's not a question that's, that's rare in superhero fiction. Right. Um, I, think, I think Civil War is also something that, that's like tricky around this, but I actually think the original Marvel run of the, of the comic Civil War does a pretty good job of this because it very quickly, uh, what it does is it makes a decent case for why people who have superpowers are not just marginalized folk, which many of these stories just try to be like, oh, the X-Men are, are like, the X-Men, it's a civil rights story. Like, mm-hmm. okay, well, black people can't shoot lasers out their eyes, so not really. Um, and, and Civil War does that, and it also suggests that there's, there are multiple types of responses that a government could have, ranging from local and reasonable to, like, hyper-nationalistic and fascist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, most superhero movies that explore this stuff don't have the space and time to do that with nuance, and mm-hmm. many of them do what I think the original Incredibles, and then also I agree with this, what this trilogy does, has this Randian undercurrent of some of us are just better than others, mm. and the world tries to keep that keep us down. Mm. Like, <clears throat> what would happen if, where it isn't Randian, is it, where this trilogy is less Randian than I think the Incredibles, is that no one ever threatens to go gulp. No one ever, no, the, the question is never brought up, what would happen if not for the superheroes? In the Incredibles, the answer is if not for super, if not for the superheroic, if not for in in Brand's uh, idealized version, the hyper industrialists, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the world would fall apart, right? That is the threat that that Rand puts on the on the page uh, in in her works is like if not for the the oil tycoons and the railroad magnets, the world would be worse. Mm-hmm. And that is what the Incredibles says: the world would be worse if not for the superpowered people who mm-hmm. are allowed to do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. I don't know that this movie ever does that because we don't see them really helping people en masse. And also, half uh, of them kill I mean, people. The movie, the, mo- the movie's like doesn't get enough into its own internal logic of its mythology. It's like, does everyone have a power they just don't realize, right. or are there truly just exceptional people? Like, so when what what uh, Elijah was looking for was someone indestructible, and so he caused mass uh, chaos and death to search for like a superpower he had plucked out of a comic book because those are the archetypes right. he's familiar with. And so his basis was like, oh, the reason we have comic books with people who are invincible is because people have always been invincible, or some people have, but it's like, did he end up just killing thousands of people that did have latent superpowers that just either hadn't wrecking? I mean, like, it's they don't really, the movie doesn't end yeah, with any sort of resolution. Of like, are, are, <laughs> are there people, exceptional people, or is everyone exceptional that just haven't recognized it, which is like, is it a larger bullshit metaphor for, like, people have strengths and weaknesses, and sometimes you just don't get a chance to recognize it in your, like, day-to-day career or life or what you do with yourself. I don't know. The movie doesn't really land on that one way or the other. Yeah, I think that's, like, the lesson it wants us to, to walk away from is, like, the world should be inspired by possibility. Right. Ah, yes, yes. We are all. We are all. You can I be mean, greater than you can be greater than your current mediocrity. Watching that, that is, cannibal flip a car and eat a riot <laughs> cop sure inspired me. <laughs> and watching that dude slightly bend. I don't know. Yeah, you know. I mean, like it's not. I think it could be aluminum. Like you can't tell on the uh, video. Like. Um, Do a lot with computers these days. Yeah, that is. It is. It is. Also, like like, we sent it out two hours ago. When are people gonna notice? (laughs) Like, what does that even mean? They just like made a random Twitter account. (laughs) Superheroes are real. Like, 
how does virality work? In, you know, in, in I know okay. all of them just sitting in the train station waiting for people to like look at and their also, honestly. That's the, how the that's what it's that... like. That's what it's like when you publish a big story, though, Patrick. You know it's true. We're like, fuck. I hope Reddit. I hope this hits the top of Reddit, or we're only getting. But I know who I'm looking at, yeah, right? Like fair. I'm looking and like people who follow video games to see if something hits. <laughs> they're in a train station with a wide variety of people, and also the. They upload clips, but like Elijah sent a stream of mm-hmm. videos, and what he's also sent an email with those pre-made clips already edited. He's a good programmer. There's someone in. There's someone else. There's another like character, a hacker or something, a hacker editor who's just. He should have sent it to Joseph. That's what I thought was going to happen. Was Joseph was going to get? Look, your your father. You know, which I mean, well, he did. Joseph the way they did get those videos, right? He did, but like I thought there would have been an arc where it's like. What do you do with this, right, right? right? Like it's a it's a baton passing where it's like, you know, I unlocked the potential of your father, blah blah blah. Like, and then you here see it is. Joseph like, what, and what do you I do movie. With this information? <laughs> he's the, he's the, he is the fastest video editor in the world. Uh, like, wow. it's just incredible. Like, that's, his that's his power. Yeah, I was gonna go the other way, which is like you see Joseph lift his iPhone to the screen to video to video uh, to, to record a video off his own screen. God. <laughs> It's a, ver- it's a vertical video. Too. It is absolutely. Yeah. God damn it! He put and he puts yeah, it on these TikTok. Full, full frame videos. <laughs> well, yeah, I can't believe they revealed superheroes are real on TikTok. Unbelievable. That's the mediocre world we live in. <laughs> it's, it's James McAvoy doing the cheater run across the thing, and it's a hit or miss. I guess I never miss, huh? <laughs> anyway, someone please make oh, me the any- hit or miss edit of Glass. Thank you. I'm Gregorio Gallagher. And these are my superheroes. I have been fascinated by human potential. God. I, who? Any final thoughts on Glass before we bounce out? I think we're going to see another one. I think we're going to see another one. I think that Joseph and Casey are going to fall in love and it's going to be bad. Uh, Or what if they go? She's she's a high school student, though. Joseph is. Isn't he? Is he not? He's like 20s. Yeah, he's he's got to be a, in his 20s because he was like seven or eight. He maybe? was like 12, yeah, I think. Okay, that makes maybe sense. he was like 11. I don't know. Any age from like, <laughs> you could be eight or 12 in my eyes. I'm like, you're eight or maybe you're 12. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I just can't tell. Like, yeah. what's the maturity? Natalie's that- superpower, not being able to tell the <laughs> That's different ages. Her one weakness. <laughs> Can only be killed. Is if you just, if you could transform yourself into a child of varying ages. I wouldn't know what know. age. That's I just, why Hedwig's power is so powerful. Yeah. He As knows. a nine year old, you, you, will, you will always be able to. To sneak past you. Yeah. Because I'll it. be like, how old are you? I don't know. Damn. Um <laughs> he But okay, but but that's but that okay, that talk that Sam that, that Mr. Glass gives to Hedwig is a everybody has superpowers like talk, right? Yeah. Or like we're all special yeah. in our own way talk. I think your perspective is yeah, special. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I, I even think that there's a world in which Also dance. Also dance. Also Hedwig can dance <laughs> and likes Drake now. Oh my <laughs> the fucking god! How did we make it this far without bringing that I up? Forgot. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. He's like, <laughs> and that's literally just what he says. He's like, by the way, I like Drake now. Motherfucker, these cheerleaders didn't see the last movie. Who Look, are you talking? You're talking to us. Hedwig is also hiding a child or children, <laughs> so I can see oh. there being a lot of identification. <laughs> god, someone put Pusha T into an M Night Shyamalan film. Please. Thank you. All right. I don't have anything else. I don't. Except that I probably okay. do. We could talk about this forever, but let's just eject. I I will say, 
Yeah, I will just like leave with there were bones. There were bones. There were bones. <laughs> that could have been something. Yeah. I think it was a perfectly fine mediocre movie. Like and that's a weird like if you want to see something with a lot of talented people involved, it's just not that great. Mm-hmm. But like has some good moments of talented people doing cool shit occasionally. And a Never lot of qu- grime. <laughs> and a lot of grime. But you know, there's so much that already has grime. Like, be good and rewatch it. We're we're hip deep in gr- yeah, grime. Here's my question, guys. <laughs> Uh-huh. Why do we keep watching mediocre ass Okay, so, okay. Austin and I had this fucking argument yesterday. It was not Austin an was argument. Like, you know, it was over text. I didn't use caps once. <laughs> Austin was like, you know what we should watch next? And then he lists like a shit ton okay. of like B movies. Okay, to shit. be clear, to be clear, no, hold there on. are reasons for that and you know it. I see all the caps coming from uh, Rob's side, that's not about from another, Austin's that's side. Another thing. That's another okay. thing. I'm not going to read this out loud, but we were talking about general waypoint strategy, ways to prevent to present a platform for people to do things that they want to do, which includes talk about some bad movies. You look, your excuse was look, Patrick likes schlock horror, and that's the world we live in. That's Patrick what, and Danielle like schlock horror. Yeah, dude, putting that all on me, motherfucker. Do you propose to your wife at a schlock horror fest? There is video <laughs> yeah. of they I'm both like schlock horror. I, it's romantic. Yeah, my we, my wife my wife and I <laughs> fell in love watching puppet master movies. So get off. <laughs> Go go have don't one. Do go one. one. Go do one. Do one. You're the head of that podcast. Don't I do want to hear the proposal story. Oh my god, they're so mean to this director, like to his face. While they, oh, it's 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 oh, excruciating. He's really wait, hurt. Wait, who are you mean to? I, short. I In your proposal? No. Will you marry untrue. me and fuck this bad director? <laughs> <laughs> the short Natalie. The short version is Charles Band. Director of a lot of schlocky, producer of a lot of schlocky horror movies like Ghoulies, Puppet Master. My wife and I more or less like fell in love watching those films. Later, he got into making not so great films that were kind of capitalizing on his name. Not super surprised that it happens to a lot of horror directors. He had a series called Evil Bong. The third Evil movie, Bong? Evil Bong 3. Yeah. Uh-huh. Evil Bong. Yep. Oh, you don't know about um, this, huh? The, the first one is kitschy all? enough. You don't know about this at all. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, Evil Bong 3, they had a contest. It's like, hey, uh, come up with a subtitle for uh, Evil Long 3 and you'll get a, a writing credit or a story credit on IMDb. I was like, yeah, that sounds hilarious. Okay. So like over drinks, I came up with a friend, Evil Bong 3, uh, Wrath of Bong. Also came up with like a whole like plot summary. Thought that you needed to submit a plot summary. You did not need to submit a plot summary. I submitted a plot summary. Then they were like, we're going to make this a fan vote. And they put it on like a bad polling website in which it didn't like cache your web browser for voting. So I just voted over and over for my own thing thousands of times. Because you also told and people to vote for it. I did. I didn't have much of a Twitter following back then. It was like pre-Giant Bomb. Okay. So, and like, just be- like, so I-, I was known, but not like, it- it's a different, a different That era. MTV News Army get- moti- like mobilized <laughs> for you though. I didn't, I, I was like, I, I'm sure I got some votes out of it. It was mostly me sitting at a desk at G4, just like refreshing it during my lunch break. So I win. And they're like, oh, actually, Patrick, he uh, submitted a sum- – they like, were befuddled. He submitted a summary with his title. We love it, though. So we're going to make a script out of that, and we're going to shoot that movie. So they shoot that movie. We actually went to the set you in L.A. You wrote the Evil Bong no, 3? No, I, Story I by Patrick Clark. summary. Story by – it's on IMDb. I'm you in the poster. Are. Thank you. Wait, are and you in the they, poster? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm in the poster. It's a story by. Oh, I thought you meant uh, you and... were in the poster. I thought yeah. you were. <laughs> oh, not my oh. face. My name. 
And then they there's a uh, a horror convention every year in Chicago, and they uh, not just completely coincidentally said uh, we are going to do the premiere of Evil Long Three in Chicago. We were living in San Francisco at the time. We'd gone from LA to San Francisco, and my wife, roughly nine months before that, was like, "Hey, I want to get married." We're not in a, ru- a rush or anything like that. We, I want to get married before I'm 30. That was the deadline I was given. I was like, okay, I can work with that. That gives me like a two-year to like propose. And I was like, if I'm going to propose, I got to do something interesting. And then this kind of like fell on my lap. And I was like, oh, I could. we could fly back. I could take my family and friends to this movie that I now have a story by credit. And on stage, I went up and I was introduced by the director. And I proposed on stage at Evil Long 3, Wrath of Bong. Um, and that is the story of how I proposed to my wife. It's beautiful. In my it's a opinion. very sweet story, but the I... part that really stands up in my memory <laughs> is when uh, the director is like, so yeah, what made you decide to do this? And Patrick's like, well, you know, uh, Katie and I love shitty movies. And and <laughs> the guy like... Oh my God, that's Patrick! You're wearing a suit! Uh... Yeah, I went for There's it. There's a video. Yeah, it's a lot. You look 13. <laughs> Not 8 to 12, though. <laughs> Once you get out of 12, oh you're God. good. Rob, I was oh nervous. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's very cute. It's oh very, it's very good. Oh, and then the movie was pounding. so the movie was the movie was so bad and borderline <laughs> offensive that everyone I invited, like thirty plus people, left to go to an open bar that my dad opened up in the hotel lobby Hell yeah. or the, in the theater Shout lobby. Out. My Save dad, the fucking my dad, day. F- my dad, five minutes in, says, "I'm not doing this," and <laughs> walks out. And he's like, "I'm just gonna go get drinks. Tell anyone they could come and have some." And I was like, "That's fine. I'm the only one that stayed to the end." My wife said, "My family's here. I'm gonna go hang with them." And I was like, "That's fine. I'm going to sit here till the end." You okay? You know what? That's Patrick's yeah. opus. Yep. Give him the that. Best. This is the best story I've ever heard. Yep. I if uh, you know men. Everyone actually out there, step the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Get your proposal <laughs> game to Patrick Klepek level proposing at Evil Bong 3. Yeah. It, 3D. Uh, and 3, so my, 3D? My wife doesn't, uh, yeah, it was 3D, uh, red and blue, red, you know, just the red, you know, not so the good Bong 3D. Just, just coming just out the screen at you, just like. Yep. Oh, and it also had Sm- smell-o-vision. No. So you, had, you would scratch Are things you sure? during the movie? Or were you people just <laughs> oh, <laughs> This movie smell of vision, right? Is the just most clouds of smoke. Story. Just like billowing out of the theater. It was me hotboxing in the back. <laughs> <laughs> what a twist! The camera pans down the aisle and walks forward, and you see at the in the back of 12 year old 12-year-old Natalie hotboxing the theater. I'm breaking two times. <laughs> Uh, I also, my wife didn't, uh, doesn't wear a lot of jewelry, and so I didn't have to buy her a lot of rings over the years, and so I didn't know her oh ring size, God. and be, and there'd be no way for me to ask that without giving away oh. the game. Hey, what's your ring and size? So, yeah, that's not great. <laughs> right. Like, so I, what'd like, you do? Especially after she'd already given me, like, you know, a, a two-year runway yeah, deadline, you like any ring size talk. Yeah, you that during the two-year conversation. I should've. That's the plan. I should've. I should've. <laughs> um, but I didn't, and so instead, I, like... At the time, looked up how to spoof email addresses, and so I sent her an email from from Charles Band, the director, that was like, "Hey, we want to make something special for you out of something from the set. What? What's your ring size?" And she responded with like, "That sounds so good." Oh, and the kicker to this is that uh, 
So I got the ring size, you know, got the ring made. When we got, uh, when I proposed, we sat down and she turns to me and she goes, she goes like, well, did Charles make something for me too? Oh. What about that email? <laughs> wow, I was about to say there's no way she believed that and then you fucking nailed it. So nice work. <laughs> That's like a kid still pretending to believe in Santa. I think yeah. that, that was her throwing, like you pulled it off, sweetie. Good job. <laughs> That's incredible. It is. That is really but, the best thing ever. But this is why we can't have nice things on this show. Because Austin is like, <laughs> we have to play to Patrick's singular tastes. And so it's gonna be Bloomhouse all the way down. And Wow, it has we, been. Rob, do you Rob, you should just pick the next movie. We Take did. us on a it's journey. Serenity. <laughs> <laughs> Rob liked it so much he already saw it, you know? <laughs> Rob, after after Serenity, you can you, you Rob's uh, taste du jour. You can tell you can us, pick you can the take, movie. Us, yeah. take us on a journey. Take us on a journey, Rob. Rob's we, movie. Rob's movie. Ava next. is a little far away. Like we know Ava's coming this spring. We have a lot of canvas to work with before that. So, Rob, I'm here by designating you. <laughs> you, you said Ava. I felt like AVA. What is that? Evangelion. What are we looking forward oh to this God. spring. I know, I know. Um, Rob, I'm designating you movie picker. That's it. I've done it. Executive order. As a super person, <laughs> this my power is telling you you can do this. Hey, we have some good sci-fi horror films we came up with, though, the other we day. We did. That's we the thing. Is we, kind of, we kind of found a middle mm. ground here. Which is what? <clears throat> We're not going to talk about it yet. I mean, well, maybe we should. We should let people send in what they think. Do you want to throw out some yeah, ideas? So, so, like... so Danielle came back and was really high on the idea of doing some sci-fi horror stuff. Surprise. Danielle, also big fan of horror and big fan of sci-fi stuff. One of the movies that came up with Sunshine, Danny Boyle's uh, space horror thriller. Uh, thriller and then becomes a horror movie in the last act. Um, and f- Incredible soundtrack. Incredible to soundtrack film. to that film. And I, I haven't seen it in probably a decade, but I remember liking it mostly. And I think from that, we can build out a palette of things in that space. And I'd love to hear some suggestions from people. Because hmm. I don't want to commit to things, but I think that is like the center point of like sci-fi, horror. And like the thing Rob wants is for it to be good which means there are movies that you're going to suggest. And you know what? Go ahead and suggest them. But we would like to have at least... Unbreakable was in that realm, right? Like like good and intre- like good but like flawed, flawed but, but interesting. interesting. Yeah. We talked about Annihilation on Away Points, didn't we? Or no? I don't think we did talk did about it? Annihilation. Annihilation so. would be good. It's out. Annihilation now. would be good. We should talk about Annihilation. such a good movie. We should do Annihilation. This is that we're doing this, doing it live. Doing it live. As they say. <laughs> As they say. Uh, well, well, yeah, if you have suggestions, in this, people should hit yeah, us up. in this vein. Oh, what if we did Sphere? Is Sphere a bad movie? What's Sphere? Was Sphere... Man, I haven't seen that in I a read long it. time. I remember loving Sphere. Good. The, I remember loving yeah, I the, the book. book I don't remember how the movie was. Sam Jackson's in it. We have some continuity. <laughs> All right. There has All to right, be we'll a thread. So there has to be a thread that connects yeah. each... There has to be like, <laughs> from movie to movie. There's there has to be some degrees. sort of connective yeah. tissue. Yeah. Looking up cinematographers, best boys. <laughs> the grip. The, Look, the key grip is the same on this one. I had a sweet arc where we were going to segue from the Demonico stuff through Assault on Precinct did. 13 right into I Carpenter. Know. You're right. And then it would have just been Greenfields and High Tides. You're right. Well, we didn't do that. And well, instead, until, we did this. <laughs> until then, you can follow everything we do at Waypoint, waypointdevice.com. You can uh, sign up for this podcast, which if you're listening, it's separate from the Waypoint Radio feed, but uh, please leave a review. Please leave uh, uh, some stars, you know, whichever. Do both if you can. Um, You can follow me at Patrick Klupik. Rob, where can people follow you yelling about, I don't know, what do you do on Twitter? 
Uh, I tweet about Michael Mann movies and uh, how they're the most <laughs> important wrong. works of cinema of the 20th and 21st centuries. Uh, at Rob Zachney. Natalie. Uh, still deep in my feelings at Natalie Watson over Kingdom Hearts. You want to get deep in your feelings? Wait, is that your new collateral? What? Oh my god! Yeah, true. <laughs> is that your new Twitter handle? Uh, uh, oh, deep in my feelings <laughs> at Natalie Watson over Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> at Natalie Watson over Kingdom Hearts is my favorite Kingdom Hearts title. <laughs> god, Austin Walker. Uh, I am. I still tweet about Gundam a lot, I guess. That's what I've been doing lately. I'm on my Gundam shit right now. Uh, at Aust- hey, we're going to talk about we Mex later today. We are going to talk about Mex later today. I'll talk about why I beef my feelings with Gundam as a, as a connection, too. Uh, Austin underscore Walker on Twitter. Uh, our thanks to 2 Mello for our theme music. Uh, our thanks to Kato. Uh, Kato, what's your, what's your Twitter? A, a, Ka- a mm. underscore Kato underscore Kato. appears. Appear, underscore appears. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Kato for for uh, for producing editing. Um, you can find uh, more uh, of Tumelo's music uh, over at tumelomakes.bandcamp.com and follow uh, Tumelo at Mellomakes on Twitter. Um, yeah, uh, we're yeah we don't. So do we have? I guess we do have next week's Serenity. So. <laughs> <laughs> so go. I asked my boy. Go see Serenity. You or guys have to see Are we actually like, recommending people? I do not think it's going to be in theaters. I know, theaters they, on I know us, Rob. I would ne- wait. What? It's going to be in theaters for more than a week. I asked my boyfriend to go see it with me this weekend, and he said no. Wow. So I'm going to go see it alone. <laughs> we should do a waypoint. I'm, I'm pretty trip. sure. Yeah, let's do it. I. Th- this might be that. Like you, my. You know, we, I saw a glass last night. With my wife, we tend to watch everything together. I don't this. I don't know if I've ever. I don't show. I don't think I've seen a movie by myself before. It's a weird experience. Legit, don't think I've it's done. It's taken it. me. I had like severe anxiety, uh, and it's taken me years to build up the ability to go watch a movie by myself. But I I'm felt like a now. king. Wow. <laughs> okay. One time, my dad and I went to see a movie, and we were the only people in the theater, so we ordered a pizza. That to is the incredible. And when the pizza guy showed up. One of the guys came in from outside and was like, yeah, uh, there's a pizza here for you. And so we got that. <laughs> and then I felt bad at first. I was like, oh, man, they're going to get mad at us. And we went out and we like finished the movie. We were at this like tiny theater out in the middle of nowhere in New Jersey to see something that was not playing anywhere near us. And we went out back to like the lobby when the movie was over, and it was empty. Like, mm-hmm. No one was there. Like, where the fuck are these guys who work here? We go outside, and they're laying on the pavement smoking weed looking at the stars. <laughs> and I was like, we ordered the pizza to the right fucking theater. <laughs> We should have given them a slice, honestly. You should have. God. Anyway, um, defining theater moments. I would. I didn't go to. I didn't go to movie theaters for a few years, um, recently because I got really afraid of movie theaters and I got a lot of anxiety in them. Fair. But now I'm starting to get back on my movie theater grind. So. Serenity. I don't know if I'm at going alone yet, but so maybe Serenity will change me. God. You changed me. <laughs> All right, we'll find out. <laughs> All right, be good to watch back next week with Serenity. I'm not even sure if I'm recommending the rest. We have to see it. I don't know if I'm recommending the audience sees it. That's that's on you. You need to pick your path on Serenity. But we'll be back next week with a uh, with some talk on Serenity. We'll see you then. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Yeah. Wait, refresh your thing. Refresh your thing. Oh, okay. I was on the wrong time. Uh, <laughs> uh, eight. Ten? Eight, okay. We've gotten away from challenging ourselves. I just. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of easy numbers. I want to make sure we're, you know, it's 2019, it's early. Got to make sure we're on our toes. Like the tiptoe mm-hmm. man. Got to make sure we're on our toes. True. All right. Uh, everyone good? Yeah. yeah. All right. Three. I forgot my point, Patrick. <laughs> it's fine. If it comes back, we'll get back to it. it. Yep. Three, two. Got a PG thirteen movie coming up. Mm-hmm. What is? <sighs> On our is it whatever that TV. Oh, movie okay. is. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Which honestly, I think is better than just having Good Morning America on like yesterday. I'd rather have a movie. Well, yeah, on. a movie I can just fuck out. You just fuck out. <laughs> Uh-huh. And just, like, fuck off and tune out. It can do one. Uh-huh. It can do one. It can yeah. do one. Good Morning America is too relevant. <laughs> the first time <laughs> someone has said that <laughs> in a long time. <laughs> you know Hate that feel? It's, just, it's too hard-hitting. It just, uh, it's too immediate. Uh-huh. That, hap- that happened today? <laughs> fuck that. Oh. I'm still on yesterday. Good morning yesterday. That's what I, that is what I need, honestly. Same. Can we start a new show? <laughs> what if we started the new that, podcast, everyone? <laughs> Good morning, yesterday. Uh-huh. That's just John Oliver's last week tonight. Oh, true. True, that is that. Yeah. That is that. Um, Good morning, Drump. <laughs> uh, it's Invictus. That's the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. That's... All right. Ready? Yep. Yep. Robbie Typen. No. <laughs> oh, what a Pencils twist! down. He's not typing. God um, okay. damn it! <clears throat> All right, three, two. <laughs>